All right, thank you, Andre. Morning, everybody. Morning to the new folks. Always lovely to have first-time visitors here. My name is Craig. Um, Andre and I serve on team here. The other three guys, Richard, the full-time guy, and Skulk and Brian are all away on holiday as well. And I think we're a little bit thin as well in numbers, especially after last week. Who had a fantastic time here last week with a 300-strong gathering? Yeah, it was really wonderful. Last week we had um, Frabo join us and Gordon's Bay, two churches that were planted out of Somerset West, and uh, also a few people from Amanus joined us. It was great to just all sit under the word together and worship together as, as one family. Really awesome. Thanks, Ethan. Happy birthday to you again, and uh, blessing us with his really deep 16-year-old voice. <laughs> all right, thank you. So I am actually from this church, even though Andre says I was imported from Edgemead. We moved here just about 16 months ago. Uh, we were in Edgemead Josh Jane for many years and are blessed to be part of this wonderful family here now. Right, so this morning, um, the title of my message is, is You Cannot Manufacture Fruit. And for those of you who are really structured and like to take detailed notes, I've got, I'm going to cover four points. What is fruit? Why is fruit important? How is fruit not produced? And how is fruit produced? So I'm going to cover those four points. So if we can just start with the first point, what is fruit? And I'm going to ask Elzebeth uh, to put the Collins definition up on the, on the board for us. So Collins uh, defines fruit or a fruit as something which grows on a tree or bush and which contains seeds or a stone covered by a substance that you can eat. So... We are in a school hall here. I won't make you memorize the definition. But you can see there's uh, four key elements to that definition. So the first is fruit grows. So it's not something that just appears overnight. Um, some, some of it grows quite quickly, but it doesn't just appear. It's something that grows from a seed, and it grows, and it grows, and it gets bigger, and it ripens. So that's the first element. So uh, you don't have to memorize this definition, but we are going to... Am I standing in a bad spot? So we are going to refer back to this definition a few times, just when we look at um, how fruit is not produced, how fruit is produced. So first thing is that it grows. The second thing, it has to be on a tree or a bush. So when we moved to Somerset West, the house we moved in has got this beautiful granadella bush. But if you're moving the bin and you knock a, a small granadella off, it's not going to grow anymore. It has to be grafted into the bush. It's, the fruit has to be on the tree or on the bush to be growing. So that's the second important thing that we want to take out of the definition. Uh, the third thing is that it contains seeds or a stone. We like to call it a pip, in, uh, a lot of us, instead of a stone. So fruit produces more fruit. So a fruit is not a finished product that just stops there, but it keeps, it keeps giving. Fruit keeps giving. Every single fruit has got some sort of seeds or stone or pip in it that continues to produce more and more fruit. So that's the third element. And then the last thing is it's covered by a substance that you can eat. I think that's the most important for us, is that we actually get to enjoy the fruit at the end of the day. And the key thing there is that the tree doesn't eat the fruit. The people or the animals eat the fruit. It's not the tree itself that eats the fruit. So keep that in, in the back of your mind as well. So you can see when you look at fruit as a picture, you can see why Paul used, I mean, Jesus taught on fruit, and Paul taught on fruit, and you can see why it's such a lovely topic to teach on. There's such beautiful metaphors throughout the Bible about trees and plants and, and fruit. 
And you can see from the definition why it's such a, a lovely comparison or a lovely metaphor to this fruit of the Spirit that we're going to look at. So we can look at Galatians 5 from verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So I'm sure most of you have seen the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, those nine fruit that they talk about there. And the key thing there, that last verse, we can just put verse 25 back up. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So those are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can also get other fruit from other spirits. But if we plugged into the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit that we are going to produce, the Galatians 5.22 fruit. So um, the other thing with that is that you can see it's a full basket of fruit. If we go back to verse 22 again, sorry, I'm going to jump, I'm going to make you jump around. Maybe not as much as Andrew last week, but you're going to jump around. But the fruit, so you see it says fruit and not fruits. So when I was a younger Christian, I used to talk about the fruits until one guy said to me, no, it's not fruits, it's fruit. So you've got to look at the whole basket of the fruit. So we can't pick and choose and say, well, I'm going to, I'm happy with love, joy, peace, but don't give me patience. You know, I can do the first three. So what we normally see in Christians or in Christian communities is that the body reflects all the fruit and not just some of the fruit. Okay, so we do it as a collective, as a full, a full basket of fruit, let's call it. And then which, which one do you think is the most important fruit? Or which one stands out? Love, yes. So the others are often called love in action. So joy, joy is love rejoicing. Peace is love at rest. Patience is love waiting. Kindness is love interacting. Gentleness is love empathizing. Generosity is love imitating. Faithfulness is love keeping its word. And self-control is love resisting temptation. So all of the fruit sort of fall under love. And that's why Paul is saying at first, he's, you know, if we, if we love somebody, then the others generally follow you think about your wife, your kids, if you love them, it's quite easy to be generous. It's quite easy to be patient with them. And it's the same. When we've got that love of the Spirit in us, the other uh, fruit really flow from love. And if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, which we know as the love chapter, and we keep saying, you know, if you go to enough weddings, you'll know 1 Corinthians 13 quite well. And there, Paul says, love is patient, love is kind, and love never fails. And in verse 13, he speaks about faith, hope, and love, and he says the greatest of these is love. Okay, so that's what I just wanted to start by just trying to understand what is fruit, so let the physical fruit that we eat, but what are the fruits of the Spirit as well. So then we can move on to the second point, which is why is fruit important? Why do we need the fruit of the Spirit? Can't I just be a Christian on my own? You know, I'll watch, I'll watch Josh Jen live on YouTube, I'll make sure that I'm saved, and that's it. Why do we actually need the fruit? And of course, that continues with the topic of love. And if we look at Jesus, Jesus used the word love 51 times in Scripture. So Jesus spoke on a lot of topics, 
but you can see he spoke a lot on love as well. If he spoke 51 times um, on love. Right, so we can look at a few scriptures. We'll look at a few of the things that Jesus said. If we can look at John 15, verse 16 to 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So there again, Jesus is talking about the fruit. He's talking about the fruit abiding and he's talking about loving one another. So that abiding, it says, let your fruit abide, which is an interesting statement. So abide means stay or remain. So don't just come on a Sunday, love everybody, then I'm back to my impatient Monday morning self. You've got to make sure that that love and the fruit actually abides in you. And by abiding in Christ, the fruit will abide in us. Okay, next one. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, and that's what we're seeing a lot in, in the church at the moment, is this, this fruit that's, that's being displayed by our community here. It's drawing other people in. Andrew spoke about it last week when he was here. He said, why are people coming back? Why are people joining? Why are people staying? Because of the love that they're experiencing here. Because of the fruit that they're experiencing here. When we ran orientation recently, and Richard asked many of you that are sitting here this morning, why did you, why did you come back a second time? Why did you want to join? Why are you here doing orientation? And a lot of the answers were just the love that we experience here, the relationship we experience, just what we see in the people. So it's not for the wonderful building or the parking or the worship or the preaching, but it's because of the relationships that we're having here and the love that's experienced here. And that's also why we didn't start at 9 o'clock this morning, and we spoke about that last week as well. Relationships are so important to us that we're not going to stop things and say, all right, we've got to get going now at 9 o'clock. Because a big part of what we do here on a Sunday morning is relationship, building each other up, encouraging each other, loving each other, you know, seeing the fruit in each other. So expect a lot of relationships. Come here at half past eight and stay for coffee afterwards. Don't, don't arrive at ten past nine and, and leave as soon as, as soon as the gong goes. All right? Okay, Matthew 7 verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So a tree is recognized by a fruit, by its fruit. So you won't expect an orange tree to produce grapes or a grapevine to produce lemons. And we're quite good at, at re recognizing the plants because of the fruit that they produce. And it's the same with, with us. If you look at the fruit of somebody's life, you can see, you know, are they abiding in Christ or is their fruit showing that they're actually following some sort of other spirit. Okay, and then John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So that ties back to that definition we had in the beginning. The fruit can't be produced if you're not in the vine. We've got to be abiding. There's that word again, abide, which is stay or remain. We've got to be plugged into the branches, into the, into the vine. As the branches, we've got to be plugged into Jesus if we want to be producing the fruit of the Spirit. And then Colossians 1 verse 9 to 10. 
We have continued praying for you ever since we heard about you. We ask God to give you a complete understanding of what he wants to do in your lives, and we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and you will continually do kind things for others. All the while, you will learn to know God better and better. So what Paul's covering there is he's saying if you've got the, the knowledge of the word, that is then going to alter your conduct, and then the way you're behaving in obedience is service to God, which leads to changing your character. So those four really go together, knowledge, conduct, service, and character. And once your, your character is really a reflection of the fruit, the fruit that you're producing, right? And if you become a new Christian and you start plugging in and doing your devotions and seeking God, you will see how your character will start moving more to be more Christ-like. And Andre spoke about it this morning. You now Paul says, imitate me like I imitate Christ, because we want to be more Christ-like. And the more we imitate Christ, the more we'll produce these fruit that we looked at in Galatians 5. Okay, now we can look at a few pictures. Maybe this will keep the kids engaged. Children are doing well so far. There's no kids' church today. If you guys promise to be quiet, I'll promise to be 30 minutes. How's that? <laughs> okay. If we can put up that first picture, please. Yeah, so I was quite privileged to visit the church in the Netherlands recently, and uh, I get a little bit emotional as well, because it's really like family there. It's amazing when you go and visit another 412 church. So who's had the privilege of, of visiting a 412 church in South Africa or outside of South Africa? So where have you guys been? A lot of places. Brazil, Hootspreit, Isle of Man. Yeah, so uh, 412 is a, uh, what would you call it, a movement where we partner with other churches for those who are new here. So Josh Jen started a movement called 412, and we link with a lot of churches around the world. So when I heard I was going on a business trip, I thought, what's the closest Josh, or 412 church that I can get to there? And really the closest by far was this one in the Netherlands. So that couple, his name is Gerrit, and she's Laura, and their sons are four-year-old Yasser which is spelt like Jesse, and Timo is two years old, and little David is only eight months old. And Gerrit picked me up at the train station and took me back. Him and the two boys picked me up, and then we, I met Laura and David at, at the house, and within an hour, I was sitting there giving David his bottle. I mean, I've, I don't know them at all. I've just met them. I'm at their house, and I'm feeding the baby. I actually knew nobody at the church at all. I just contacted them and said, uh, can I come? I'm going to be in the neighboring country, can I come across and visit? And they said, yeah, just um, come the Saturday already, we've got a baptism, and we'll arrange that somebody hosts you, and um, you can join us this Sunday as well. So, really wonderful experience, just spending time with, that, with the Dutch folk over there. So they only, I don't know if I said it now, they're only 27 and 26, those two, and they've got three kids, four, two, and eight months. So they're a very productive community. <laughs> and... Uh, so the actual church that gathers in Odavata, so they, their name is Living Waters Odavata, they got 60 adults and 30 kids. So that's quite a ratio, and you can see why. And then 
they, are, they also have just planted uh, Fienendal, which is close to them. So they are, if you know the Netherlands, they're in the Utrecht area, but they're very much in the small towns. So he picked me up at the station at Woerden, and they live in a little place called Varda, and the church is in Odevata, and the pastor lives in, where does he live? I can't remember. Okay. And there's Driebergen and all these little places. So, so it's lovely just uh, being there in the countryside with them. And then if you look at the next picture, this is the, the baptism that they did at Peter's house. So the lead elder's got a wonderful uh, small holding and this river running past it. And because the river's two and a half meters deep, you can't actually just, you can't stand in there to get baptized, even the Dutch people. So they had to, <laughs> they built this platform that hangs on the edge and it's, it's got a wooden platform that you can't see and a little, a little set of stairs going down. So they, they literally drop it in there with the tractor before and then remove it again afterwards. So, so that's the, what we did on the Saturday. So I met a whole lot of them on the Saturday and then went through on the Sunday morning. So if we just look at the last picture, this guy's name is Ari. He is from the Netherlands, but he has visited South Africa before, hence the green and gold shirt. So this is just an illustration of how family works there. You, you meet the guy on the Saturday, and then on the Sunday, he came with his Bokka shirt to sort of like welcome me to church, and he brought me a little bag of Dutch goodies. So it was really just special to really feel like family. And I said to Gerrit and Laura, I said, this feels like family. And they said, but you are family. And I, so it's exactly the same as we would welcome them coming here. And many of them have been here before. So that hosting couple... Um, Ari themselves, a lot of them have been over here to, to visit some of the Josh Gens, and they've been here for 412 conferences. So there's a lot of South African influence there. And then uh, also Richard and Sue van der Reit, who were part of Sunningdale for a long time. They are also over there at the moment, living over there. So as soon as Sue heard that I was from, from Somerset West, she said, do you know Anne Anderson? Can I send a package in your suitcase? You know, so it really is family because they've got so many connections with the family over here. So the point of this, of me showing you this, is just to show you the fruit that they displayed there, but they are also the fruit of 412, because the way that this was birthed was, was Peter sold up some of his businesses, and he came, and he was going to start a new life in Hootspreit, South Africa, and then he went to Joshua in Hootspreit and caught something, and he's taken it back, and he's now started Odavata and, and now Fionendal as well. Fionendal is still very small. It's only nine people but they've got now 60 adults and 30 kids at Odavata. And it's really strong because Andrew suggested to them that they set it up in a soft lounge approach where you don't put banners outside like we do, but uh, you just, it's really by invitation to keep the base very strong. Because if you suddenly have a lot of walk-ins and you've got 20 church people and 80 other people, you, you can quickly dilute the DNA. So they're building up a strong base and then they will open up the doors and put out the banners and just invite the whole community in. So it was really a, just a wonderful experience. So if you get an opportunity, I was kind of encouraged when, when Stephen went to Brazil the beginning of the year, my son, you know, and he came back and he said, you know what, the way they do church is exactly what we do, it's just in Portuguese. And I was really encouraged to just go over and, and just experience it myself. It was my first time visiting a, a, a foreign 412 church, and there as well, everything's the same, it's just in Dutch. And the cool thing about Dutch versus Portuguese is you can follow 80% of the Dutch. You can't follow any of the Portuguese. Yeah, so they worship half in Dutch, half in English. They preach in Dutch. But it's, I encourage you to go because you can actually, if your Afrikaans is not too bad like mine, you'll follow 80% of the preach. Yeah, so what really 
just to share as well, just on the side, it's not part of this message, but just what encouraged me about their church is how they seize the moment so they don't let an opportunity go. So with the baptism, it wasn't just sometimes like we can do baptize, pray, and we're off to lunch. They actually had a worship team there at Peter's house. They had one of the deacons bring a message on what baptism is about. Then they went and baptized. It's just the one lady. Then they baptized the one lady in the river, and then we all prayed and prophesied over her. So it was a three-hour event for one person getting baptized. So they took the opportunity. Why? Because there was a lot of unsaved family that were there, and they could share the message, the gospel message, and the baptism message with this family. So I thought that was a real great opportunity. The other thing they do is they, when the kids go out to kids' churches, they all gather around them and they pray for them before they go out. So, I mean, they are different. They're a smaller congregation. They've got a much higher children ratio. And they worship with no chairs, which also makes it easier, yeah. Andre was threatening to do that this morning. You know, so they're already all standing worshiping, so they gather around the kids and they pray for them. So they, that was what I got out of their church, is they really don't miss an opportunity to, to press in and do something. What they got from me was that it's okay to actually just talk to the person in the street. Their cults, because they took me around the market and I would just talk to the vendors and so on, and which they said is not really normal in their culture, but it actually worked, so they were quite encouraged by that. <laughs> okay, what else can we get out of what Andrew spoke about last week? Remember Andrew said that we all come to church to give. We don't come here to get. We should all be coming with the heart of what can I bring here this morning. So I just wanted to highlight just a few of the things that he mentioned last week because they really tie in with how do we build ourselves up as a community, how do we display the fruit. So that's the one thing. The second thing is God gives us a specific purpose. So each one of us have a ministry. Each one of us have a purpose. And God gives that only to us. So we need to be alert to what God has got in store for us. He mentioned the older folk. We've been really blessed to have a lot of older folk join us in the last six, six to nine months, let's say. So it's really been wonderful. And a lot of strong folk, you know, that have got a lot to give, that have got a lot of wisdom and display a lot of fruit. And we need to be benefiting from that and, and tying into that. So spiritual fruit doesn't age or mature or uh, fraught, to use a bad word. But um, that spiritual fruit is there in this folk. And we must, we must really use our older folk that we've got. Okay, and then just, if you can put up that cartoon, please. So I thought, I saw this in the week, and I thought it was quite appropriate. And what this is depicting is that people or Christians tend to chase after the gifts of the Spirit. So people want to lead worship, and they want to prophesy, and they want to heal, and they want to teach, and all these wonderful gifts of the Spirit, but they're not always so quick to display the fruit of the Spirit. You know, so it's a little bit of a, a depiction of that, that we really should be seeking the fruit of the Spirit, you know, or actually not even seeking the fruit. If you abide in Jesus, the fruit will come, and then the gifts will come. Right, so then we get on to point three. How is fruit not manufactured? So I've got a bit of a history of manufacturing. I was with PwC in order to my younger years, and I always loved the, the tangible side of business, the tasbar, you know, the, the machinery, the, the stock, that sort of stuff, and not the financial stuff like pension funds and asset-managed uh, asset funds and banks and stuff like that. So I always migrated towards the manufacturers and the retailers as my clients. And um, now, for the last 15 years, I've been in large-scale printing, which is also manufacturing. So 
I like to think I've got an idea of manufacturing, and what happens in manufacturing is the opposite almost of what we saw with that uh, definition of fruit. So, also, if I can ask you to bounce back to that definition, that Collins definition again. So when you manufacture something, then it's the opposite of what I said earlier. It, does, it doesn't grow slowly. It actually does appear overnight. What appears within an hour, you can produce something. Right? So it, it doesn't have that slow maturing process. Second thing, it doesn't have to be linked to the tree or the bush. It just uh, gets manufactured on a machine. There's a lot of hard toil or labor that goes into it, either with human hands or machinery, and a lot of energy, so gas, electricity, steam goes into manufacturing. Um, but it doesn't have to be part of a tree or a bush to be manufactured. And then the key one, it does not contain any seeds. So when you produce the product, it's a final product, it stops there. So you might be producing, like guys produce pulp, and then pulp becomes paper, and paper becomes a magazine that we do. So, but it doesn't produce, it doesn't have seed or growth in it that actually co continues to give it. At some point it stops. Whereas our fruit of the spirit has always got seeds and there's always going to be further growth if we have this spiritual fruit. And then lastly, uh, some of it you can eat. If you can manufacture a chocolate, it's going to eat, but it's not going to give you that same sustenance that the spiritual fruit is going to give you. Okay, does that make sense? All right. And then lastly, let's look at how fruit is produced. So Ephesians 4 says, put on the new self. We spoke about that last week as well. We have to die to live. Right? That is our slogan in Josh Jen, die to live. We've got to put on the new self. We've got to be getting rid of the old and seeking to be more like Christ. And that um, all of us have got a past. Yeah? So our pasts all differ, but that we've all got stuff in our past that could have been better. So we've got to die to that old self and put on the new self. In 2 Peter 1 verse 5 to 7, he says we have to renew your mind. That's something that we have to do daily. Now, our mind is an incredible thing. You know, something can happen and you can think of 10 things in a split second. Our minds are incredible. We're able to play out 10 scenarios in a split second. You know, so we, our mind can really try and trap us on a daily basis and cause us to doubt and cause us to have fear. And, you know, this whole, we've been through that now with COVID, just talking about all these verses on don't be anxious and, you know, seek, seek God. Our mind can always try and play tricks on us and try and, um, get us to doubt. So we need to renew our mind daily. And then Colossians 3, verse 2 to 3, if we can put that up. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So the more we focus on things of the kingdom, the more we will grow to be more like Christ and display the fruit, as opposed to setting our hearts on careers and boats and aeroplanes or whatever it might be. So one of the things that came in up in our community on Wednesday, uh, we also join, uh, we also in a, a Wednesday community, and one of the things was, you know, when we grow up as youngsters, our minds get conditioned towards certain cultures, and we get sort of blocked off when we only really understand our own culture that we're in, and we think whatever the other culture, we don't understand the other culture, so we kind of dismiss it and say, well, it doesn't make sense. You know, what they do is silly. It just doesn't make sense to us. But if we actually take the time to sit with those people, understand their culture, then you'll go, oh, okay, is that, why, is that why you do this? Or that's why you don't do this, because it's actually a culture. So it's, again, relational, sitting down with people, understanding them, and just renewing your mind in that as well. 
Psalm 1 verse 3 says we need to be like trees planted along the riverbank. Um, yesterday we went out to this habitat nursery where they've got those massive trees that they sell for like tens of thousands. We weren't buying, we were just looking. But uh, there, there was one tree that, they're all in these massive bags and they've each got about a ton of soil in their bag. Uh, but there was one, and Stephen said, is that one for sale? Because it was massive, but it, was, it wasn't in a bag and it was planted right next to the water and it was just flourishing. You know, and the, if we root ourselves and we plant ourselves next to the riverbank, we will flourish. Ephesians 3 verse 17 says, make sure that your roots go down into God's love. Colossians 2 verse 7 says, let your roots grow down into him. And John 15 is a lovely chapter. If you read verses 1 to 9, you'll see that you can't produce fruit unless you remain in Jesus. Colossians 3.16, if we can put that up, please. Let the word of Christ dwell in, your, in you richly, teaching and admonishing, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Next one. Oh, sorry, it was just that one. You can just keep it up, please, also me. So there I want to focus on let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So it's having that, the word of God actually dwelling in you. And the difference to... The, so I want to focus on that word dwell. So if, like your family, your immediate family that you live with, that you dwell with, because you're living with them, you know exactly what affects them. You, you know how to upset them if you want to, or you know what does upset, um, upset them. And... And all of you know exactly what's happening in every room of the house. As opposed to, let's say, a distant relative that you see every six months or every year. You don't, re you don't know them well enough to know what impacts them. And they, also, if they come and visit, you can block off certain parts of your house so that they only see the lounge and the guest toilet. So if we want to have the word dwell in us, we must let the word dwell and go right through the house and actually know what upsets the Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit and Jesus into every part of our house. And not just show them the areas that we've swept, but show them that dirty storeroom or that dirty bedroom or that bath that you haven't cleaned. You know, so that's, that's the, the difference there with dwelling. Does that make sense? Right. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit, so it's not something that we do. So we shouldn't be chasing after the fruits. We shouldn't be like, oh, I'm trying to get more patient, but it's just not coming. You know, we should, um, we must just seek God, and God will produce it. As Andrew said last week as well, we are, we are God's glory. He will produce the fruit. We've got to die to self. We've got to just seek Him, and He will use the fruit. Just a few quotes from A.W. Tozer. The man who is elated by success and cast down by failure is still a carnal man. At best, his fruit will have a worm in it. So we mustn't be up and down with success and failure. So I love the picture of a, a thermostat. We mustn't be a thermometer that goes up and down, like, oh, today we're hot and tomorrow we're cold, like a thermometer. So we must be the thermostat where we're actually controlling the temperature. And that can be in your family, in the church, it could be in your neighborhood, it could be at work, it could be anywhere. Rather be the one setting the temperature than fluctuating with the temperature. Our religious activity should be ordered in such a way as to leave plenty of time 
for the cultivation of the fruits of solitude and silence, also A.W. Tozer. So there, just to slow down, you know, uh, we were deacons in Edgemead, and because it's a, a big building with a lot of people, you're always on alert, and you're always running from A to B, seeing what needs doing, until God put a, a lady in our community that used to catch me on a Sunday and just go, hey, Craig, how are you doing? And you're like, you want to get past, but she just actually taught me and maybe taught Joy as well just to, just to slow down and the value of relationships. And Sunday should be more about relationships and not running to open a curtain or whatever it might be. Okay, Rick Warren says, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. And I think we all need to hear that one. You know, we've, as I said earlier, we've all got something in our past, but God uses broken trees to bear fruit. And how many people have said, I just want to sort my life out and then I'll come back to church. But uh, we come to church to be fixed. So just picture a broken puzzle that you can't put together on your own. Only Jesus can put that puzzle back together. So we've got to be encouraging those people. Come here. This is, we're all broken. We're not angels here and you've got to sort yourself out before you come in here. We all have a past and we all come here to be, to be fixed. The best fruits are plucked for each by some hand that is not his own. Sounds like a triple, triple negative or something. C.S. Lewis. The best fruits are plucked for each by some hand that is not his own. So what I get out of that is that we don't always see the fruit in our lives, but the others see it. So Tanya might say to me, yes, you're so patient. And I'm thinking, if you only knew, you know? But other people see fruit in us that we don't see. And that's how God uses it. It's, a, it's just a, another kingdom principle. And then lastly, Thomas Fuller said, he that would have fruit must, he would, sorry, he would, try again, he that would have fruit must climb the tree. So that's probably more like an ambition type thing, but again, I think we can use that as a kingdom principle. You know? Make sure that you're in the tree, that you're advancing in the tree to produce fruit. We have to abide in Jesus if we want to produce fruit. Amen. Amen.